Turn with me over to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. Genesis, chapter 39. And for those of you who are looking at your clocks, don't. It's not going to make any difference at all. Genesis 39, verses 20 through 23. The title of the message is Authority Wherever. Authority Wherever. Genesis 39, 20 through 23. So Joseph's master took him and put him in jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in sight of the chief jailer, 22. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer, 23, did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Four points out of this passage I'd like to speak on. One, <clears throat> unrighteous confinement. Two, unusual company. Three, unprecedented jurisdiction. And four, unreal production. I decided to speak on this topic today because I think the Lord is doing something with us as a people, giving us greater authority or at least helping us to realize the authority that he has given, that we are growing into something. Authority doesn't necessarily mean power. It usually means much more than that. It's not confined by power. It's not necessarily expressed by power. Authority is just a quiet confidence that you know who you are and the God who is with you. And you know the realms in which you can exercise what he has given you as a right to, to manifest his kingdom presence wherever you are, whether it be through your supervisory position or as just a wonderful witness in your neighborhood. Authority is that which God gives in order to represent him well in the earth. And when I think about authority, I want us to understand that this level of influence doesn't have any boundaries with respect to personality, your limitations and gifts. Authority is that which is just expressed in who God has made you. It allows now, it'll come through all the other stuff I mentioned by which it is not confined, gifts and personality. But it's so much more than that. Most people look at authority as something that is, especially spiritually, expressed in church leadership, in a small group. It's so much more than that. And we've confined authority to the places where it, where it can make the most difference. Thinking that, that surely... This is a place where God wants to be seen and heard. And some of the other spots, we think, well, this doesn't matter very much. And I can't, I, I, I've, I've lived just a little while, and I haven't figured out a place where his authority is not relevant. Not one. And, and not a place where he doesn't want it exercised. Jesus, speaking with Peter, 
said, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Yes, he's talking to the disciples now, and Peter's one of them. He says, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? I imagine there was a, a long pause between Jesus' question and Peter's answer. Because the last thing they wanted to do in Matthew chapter 16 is get this wrong. They had gotten everything else wrong. How come you don't understand my parables? If you don't get this one about the sower who sows the seed, you won't get anything I say. Jesus, why do you talk in riddles? Why don't you just speak plainly? You have to understand, Jesus speaking back to them in retort, you have to understand these things, the deeper meanings of the kingdom, because there are some people I don't want to understand it. I'm not throwing my pearls before swine, casting my, my, my valuables amongst dogs, lest they turn and attack me. I'm trying to give you access while I don't give others access. Figure it out. Upgrade your understanding in your soul to grasp the things that are most important to your progress. Don't let my riddle making, my parable saying, stump you. Put your brain to work. Didn't want to get this one wrong, though. The identity, who he is, they've been with him now about a year and a half. They should have figured this one out by now. All of a sudden... Between what Jesus said and Peter says, you, you are the son of the living God. That long pause, you can, you can almost see the light bulb coming over Peter's head. You are the son of the living God. Jesus looks at Peter and says, well, flesh and blood didn't reveal that one to you. We, we, we think that that is a commendation. And it, it, it might be, but it's also uh, a backdoor insight into the fact that human beings can't figure it out. Peter, I know you. You didn't come up with that on your own. Only God could have revealed that to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed that to you. And on this rock, meaning the rock of revelation that I just gave you, the Father just gave you about who I am, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, death, will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And what you bind on earth will be that which has already been bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth will be that which has already been loosed in heaven. I let you now become the greatest reflector of what heaven is on the planet. That came just as a result of knowing who he was. He hadn't been to seminary yet. He hadn't been to Leadwell yet. No small group. That was just on the basis of who he knew. My point is, I've, I've, I've kind of extended this, this, this storyline because I want you to know that authority is not based on your ordination or lack thereof. It's on who you know. Are you listening to me? You already ought to be excited. I'm only seven minutes into this thing, and there ought to be something really bubbling up on the inside of you, because this is good stuff. This is good stuff. God recognizes that authority is that which needs to be used wisely and utilized well. In Isaiah chapter 22, there was a guy who wasn't utilizing it well. And the Lord said, and, and Shebna was his name. He was the 
the storehouse keeper for the temple over the resources of the kingdom. And he said, you haven't done a good job. And I'm going to now transfer your authority to a guy named Eliakim. And he said, on his shoulders, I'm going to place the key of David. What he opens, no one will shut. This is Isaiah 22, 22. And what he shuts, nobody will open. Authority. I'm going to give him access. And whoever he gives access to will be able to enter. And I'm going to give him this key that refrains access to others. And what he shuts up will be shut up forever. This key of David is something that's, that's unusual. And, and many scholars have tried to figure this thing out. What is the key of David? I don't know, but I think I know. Some have said it's so unusual because it was the key of David that it was worship in song. And that David was the primary worshiper in Israel that helped to at least collate the psalms that we have today. He wrote about half of them. Uh, and, and he made music something that was in the house of God for the first time. Up until David, there wasn't any music in the house. It didn't exist. People worshiped in different ways through sacrifice. Priests worshiped through incense offerings but there was no music David brought it in and his specific influence allowed for the church to move to a brand new spot in what it meant to express their faithfulness to God in song it was beautiful and so because that is unique from David to the expression of how we understand worship people have ascribed the key of David is that might be but I think it's much broader than that David was not only unusual in his ability to worship God through song, but what he did in coming to the throne and then sitting on it was unlike any other monarch, probably in history. Saul was king. And Saul wasn't a very good king. He was a placeholder. The people rallied and, 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 and begged for a king. They said, we want to be like all the other nations. Give us a king. And this is in the face of the best leader they had ever had, Samuel. Arguably the best leader they have ever had. And I include Moses in that. Because of Samuel, you have his entire life and there is not one recorded sin. Not one. That's pretty good. Because God has the authority to say whatever you did wrong to anybody. And you know he sinned. That's, that's not an issue. But God just said, I ain't going to tell nobody. With Moses, he told all his stuff. All his stuff. We know everything he did wrong. Not Samuel. Arguably the greatest leader in all of Israel's history. The greatest leader in history. And Israel says, we don't like it. We want a king. <laughs> Show you how messed up people can be sometimes. You can be dissatisfied with perfect. Because it doesn't meet your needs. Come Saul, God says, I'm going to give you what you want. And I'm going to give you what you deserve. They got a bad king. God comes later and says, since Saul wasn't so good, I'm going to anoint another one. Chooses David. Now, Saul's still on the throne. Samuel goes to David, pours oil on his head, says, you're going to be the next king. 
I don't know what kind of conversations happened, but if it were me, I would have said something like this. Could you hold off on that vial of oil? Just Listen, King, I get it. I'm, I'm excited. My whole family is excited. This is really cool. But did you know there was somebody already on the throne? And he probably, <laughs> just saying, he's probably not going to like that he hears that I've been anointed king. And, and, and I don't have authority over the army. FBI. CIA. Space Force. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> he's got it all. Now, when he finds out that I've been anointed king, it's going to not go well. Could we just wait until he dies? That's a conversation I might have had. But David didn't. And for the next seven years, he was on the run. He had opportunity to kill him who was trying to kill him. And in war, that's legal. That's legal. Saul had declared war against David. And David said, I'm not declaring war against you. Where do you think Jesus gets these principles? Love your enemy. Oh, I'm not saying he couldn't coin it by himself because he was almighty God. But it's not like he didn't read his Bible. He had, and it's not, he was called the son of David for more reasons than just being in his lineage. This man acted like him. David had opportunity to kill Saul at least twice and didn't take it. And his men were mad at him because he didn't seize the opportunity because these men were following David. And if David ascended... They ascended. And when David didn't take an opportunity to do so, they were hot. So hot were they, and so much did their resentment steam on the inside that when they had thought they had lost everything after seven years of being on the run and being mad at David for not having vanquished their, their enemy, not David's, their enemy, when he, David, had an opportunity, they said, now that our families have been taken by the Amalekites, we've been with you for seven years. And I cannot believe you didn't take advantage of the moment when it was handed to you. And now my family's gone. You are going to be dead. They tried to stone David. That's what David sacrificed in order to maintain his integrity. He sacrificed his life in order to do right. An unusual human being. And the gain would have been so great, it wouldn't have just been, he wouldn't have had somebody chasing after him every day of his life, and his family would now be safe. He would have been king, like, wow. He not only would have been out of danger, he would have been in, 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 in the highest realms. He said, no, I'm not going to take it like that. And then when he got to the throne, a usurper, his son, tried to take it, did take it. David walked out. He didn't even fight. Didn't even fight. He said, let God be God in this. Gave his throne away. And then allowed God to put him back. What king does that? My point is this. There is so much more about David than just being able to play music. He was an unusual man of character. And when we talk about authority, you want to wield it like he did. Because when people get it, they usually use it for their own gain. 
Many Christians, when they get the authority, they know that is theirs. Lord, I want a corner office. The rest of you who aren't laughing and prayed that prayer. <laughs> Lord, I want this material possession. I want to get here at this particular time. Lord, I want this kind of wife, this kind of husband. It's all about you claiming your authority, using your authority. And God, when he spoke to Peter, said, I give you authority, but it's for others. It's for circumstances that help to advance the kingdom. How do you use the authority God has given you and where? Joseph. <laughs> what a guy. Had a dream. Oh, God told him all your brothers are going to bow down to you. Now, Joseph was the youngest son of Jacob. Jacob had 12. Joseph was number 11, but 12 was on the way. And as far as the other brothers were concerned who were born before him from three other women, Joseph had four different people who bore children, two wives and two maidservants. The other ten all thought even if Joseph was not the baby baby, he was baby to them. Reuben was number one. And all the other ones didn't like him because Jacob, the daddy, loved Joseph more than all the others. Now Jacob was wrong in this area. You never should love one child more than the other. They all ought to be loved differently but never one more. Love should always be tailor-made. You cannot buy it at Nordstrom's off the rack. Love has to be catered for each child and catered in such a way that all of them feel uniquely special but not better. Jacob didn't do that. He just loved Joseph more. Why? Because he was born to the woman that he loved the most, Rachel. Because he loved her more than all the other women, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> because he loved her more than all the other women, he loved him more than all the other children. And to show his love, he gave him a brand new coat. I mean a coat that was styling. Joseph was dripping. <laughs> he didn't just have drip, he was flowing. The spigot was fully on coat of many colors and to do a coat of many colors you not only had to have a bunch of different dyes that were very expensive you just couldn't go to Michael's and find some you had to go out in the Mediterranean Sea and look for stuff that had certain kind of colors and plants it took a lot just to get one color to get a multicolor coat and to get the kind of things that would actually divide the color so they didn't bleed into one another it was an expensive coat analogous to our minks today and he gave it to Joseph. He didn't give it to anybody. It wasn't like he made 12 of them. One. Gave it to Joseph. And all the other brothers said, what am I, chopped liver? I mean, what did I do? I, I can't help where I was born in the, in the line. I mean, I can't even help what mama I was born to. Why in the world am I on the bottom of the rung of the ladder? They were mad at Joseph, hated him. Daddy says, go out and check on your brothers. Joseph 17, he's had these dreams about his brothers are going to serve him. And he went out like a 17-year-old and told his brothers. <laughs> if God gives you a dream about somebody else and what they're to be to you in terms of lower status, don't tell them. 
are seized anymore. I mean, you're seething on the inside even more. And daddy says, go check on him. And, and, and Joseph goes and checks on him. Now, why in the world he was going to check on him like this, I'll never know. When, when you have a mink, you don't wear it to 7-Eleven. They see him a long way off because he's got this coat on. Why? He's trying to show off all the time. They say, there's that dreamer. Let's get him. They get him. They were going to kill him. They decide not to. They throw him in a pit to decide what to do with him. And then some people come along who happen to be Midianites who, who they sell him to. And then they, the Midianites, sell him into Egypt as a slave. Joseph's thinking, what did I do? Everything. <laughs> Every, no you didn't deserve it but you didn't help you didn't help he winds up in Egypt and this is the story he was a slave of Potiphar and I'm closing in five Potiphar was chief of the guard he was over all the secret service and he put him in charge of his house because Joseph was such a good servant that Potiphar said, I will concern myself with nothing except my own food. You run everything. An amazingly competent human being. He realized something about this with respect to his dreams. That he had authority. And even if he couldn't exercise it over the people or for the people he thought he was supposed to, it didn't mean he didn't have it anymore. He had authority. And he was going to become the best wherever he was. So he, he was over all of Potiphar's stuff. And back then, you were wealthy if you were chief of the, captain, uh, chief of the guard. You were wealthy. You had a big house. Joseph had, had the problem that, that many of you men have in here. He was good looking. <laughs> that was a good opportunity for all the wives to say amen about their, their husband. I know my wife's watching. She said a loud amen at home. <laughs> Potiphar's wife looks at Joseph and says, I want you. <laughs> Joseph said, no, I cannot sin against God. No, 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 no. He's put me over all the house. I'm not going to hurt him. I'm not going to hurt No. And he then runs out of the house. She grabs his cloak to try to keep him. And as a result, Joseph runs out of his coat. Gentlemen, here's a good way, good story to understand what you ought to do when all those women who are desperate watch you run. Run, run. Now you say an amen, ladies. <laughs> I woke you up with that one. <laughs> run. Don't think you can manage through it. Run. Ain't no shame in running. She keeps his coat, tells Potiphar, that man you put over all your house, he tried to get me. Here's proof. The penalty, if you read over the historical records, for anyone who assaults a man's wife in Egypt was death. That's a penalty. Potiphar says, I'm going to put you in jail. What does that tell you about what Potiphar knew about his wife? you go free I can't let you go free because something happened and she's but I can't kill you because I know you ain't wrong ah! 
put you in jail, boy. Okay. Joseph goes from being at the lowest level in society to being under society. You had no authority as a, as a slave. At least as a slave, even though you had no authority in society, you could actually work your way out of slavery by doing some, some, some side gigs, side hustles, so you could earn enough money to buy your way out. But as a prisoner, never. And now he's in jail. And he's further away from his dream, further away in his own mind. But he hasn't lost his sense of calling and authority. And he becomes the best prisoner in the jail. Unrighteous confinement. What happens when you find yourself in a place where you should not be circumstantially? You didn't do anything to deserve it. What happens? How do you respond to God? How do you respond to people? Do you let the bitterness that's building up on the inside of you just pour out to everybody else? Or do you remember that God's given you authority? He hadn't left you. He is still with you. The dream that he has given you is still alive. Because what he gives, he doesn't take away. His gifts and callings are irrevocable. His sense of purpose in your life remains. Joseph becomes the best prisoner. Why? Why, why, why? (laughs) What do we see here? It says, not only was it an unrighteous confinement, but it said the Lord was with him while he was in jail. I can't tell you how many times I have been confined in certain spots and felt the presence of God like I have never felt him when I was released to do what I needed to do. He was with me. And in the midst of it, I realized, oh, you still want me to do things while I'm here, even though I'm not free. Anybody feel like you're stuck in a place out of which you cannot get? The Lord is with you. How are you going to respond in the middle? Is your despondency going to take over? Is your discouragement going to lead you? Jesus is still with you. He wants to lead you through, not just out. Don't waste this trial. Authority wherever and it says the jailer was with him now you know what the jailer is that's a warden unusual cover what warden likes a prisoner I mean warden that's not what they're supposed to do they're just supposed to confine him but the warden liked the prisoner so much that, that he gave Joseph unprecedented jurisdiction he said listen you're the best man I've ever seen Here, you lock up the prisoners every night. You make sure they have the rations of food. You care for their exercise provisions, their daylight hours. You set the time when they need to be in in their cells and out. Whatever you say, I agree with. Like, wow. Unprecedented. Why? Because Joseph hadn't lost his authority. Are you listening to me? There is no place where your authority by Almighty God cannot be exercised. No place. Even when people don't like it, he's still with you. But sometimes that authority has to be reflected like this. Um, Joseph, after you lock up everybody else, (laughs) 
Don't forget to lock yourself up. I can't tell you how many times I've locked myself up in God's will. Opportunities I had to do other things other than this, this church. People wanted me to come. Church, big churches wanted to give me a salary, a whole bunch of people, and said, listen, we will set you up and make sure you are successful. This is when we were, gosh, 60 folks and barely meeting needs here. God said, you stay right here, boy. So I took the authority he had given me, not just the privilege, because I could choose, but I took the authority that he had given me and I locked myself up with you. Focus on the Family, a wonderful organization, came to me in 1992 and said, we want to start a branch to the African-American community on radio and TV and book sales, and so we'd like to start it with you. We want you, we have some good information, but nobody's ever turning to the left side of the dial in the, in the African-American community. Some of y'all aren't old enough to remember what a radio is. <laughs> and when we used to use radios, the black stations were always on the right side of the dial. They were, at the end, they were past the 101s. The white stations were before the 101s in FM. And black folks weren't turning down there because nothing was for them down there. That the information was available over the airways, but they weren't getting it. And so they wanted somebody to do it, and they, they were begging me to do it flew out here to meet with me and say, we will pay you a whole lot of money, than, more money than your churches make, and you will have books, you'll be famous, you'll change the world for the African-American community. I said, the only thing is you gotta move to Colorado Springs. I said, uh, how many black folk in, how many black folk in Colorado Springs? He said, not many. He said, you make two. I'm exaggerating. I said, well, dude, I live in what was in back in the early 90s and 80s, Chocolate City. That was D.C. I said, I live where, why wouldn't it be more credible if I stayed here and worked with my church? Nope, got to be in Colorado Springs. I said, lock me up here. I can't tell you how many times I've locked myself up every night. That's what Joseph had to do, lock himself up in the will of God. Are you willing to do that regularly? Or is the next opportunity one you seize because it looks good and the grass is so much greener than where you, you are right now? Listen to me. My answer to greener grass stuff is use fertilizer and water. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, unreal production. <laughs> Joseph... It says the Lord was with him and in whatever he put his hand to, whatever he did, God said, I'm going to bless it. When you have the kind of authority that you use on behalf of others well, you care for people more than you care for yourself. You want to exercise the privilege of being God's emissary wherever you are. God says, your heart is now mine. And as a result, I'm going to do what you want. Most people, God will not do what they want. Because they want wrong. It might not be bad, but it might be wrong. 
because it's not in his timing, it's not in his will. And so he says, no, I can't give that to you now. And I've been that. I've been a guy who asked for good things, but in the wrong time. And I couldn't figure out why in the world God wouldn't give it to me until I waited long enough, staying on the same road, not giving up, and said, oh, now I understand why you didn't give it to me back there. I'm so happy here, so much more happier here. You need to live long enough whereby you are happy with God's nose of yesterday. And where your heart now is so in line with his that literally he says, what you want is what I want. Joseph, whatever you do, I'm going to bless it. When you use the authority right, God comes to back you. He gives you unusual production. And most of us, listen to us, all, listen to, as, I, as I stop, all of us have this authority. All of us do. But we haven't been good stewards over it. And at best, we leave it in the closet every day we walk out for work. Because we have other responsibilities we need to tend to, and we don't bring the authority with us. I'm begging you. Understand that the Lord is with you and wants to change your environments, not only for you, but for everybody else. He wants to make it better for you and better for them. Start using the authority wherever. In your marriage, with your children, at your workplace. I'm not saying you need to come into your workplace holding a Bible, telling everybody, today we're going to do study. <laughs> That's using your authority wrong. First, be a good witness. Love people. Don't involve yourself in gossiping. Care about folks. And watch what God will do in terms of opening doors that nobody will be able to shut for you. <laughs> Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and grace. Inspire us as we talk about what it means to use our authority that you've given us well.